We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. All right, everyone, I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. I found it really intriguing and encouraging that we have been in the book of Revelation in the weeks leading up to the current crisis that we are facing. Um, And I think it would be helpful just to take a few moments before we get into the text that we want to study today, just to remind us of some of the things that we've learned along the way that I think can encourage us right now. One of the things that we've learned is that Jesus is the one who is revealed through the book of Revelation. The first verse of the very first chapter says, the revelation from or of Jesus Christ, depending on what your translation is. Essentially, what, is it, what it's saying is that Jesus is both the agent and the content of revelation. And there's a question, I think, that we need to ask ourselves because of that truth. What is Jesus revealing to you about himself and about yourself in this particular time? The second thing that we've learned through the series so far is that Jesus says, do not fear. And that essentially is the message of the book of Revelation, and it's a vital message to us in this particular time. Jesus says to John, and Jesus says to us in the first chapter, you don't have to fear because I am the living one. I am the first and I am the last, and I will have the final word on all things. The question is this, in what ways have you perhaps allowed fear to creep into your heart or into your mind? The third thing that we've learned in the series so far is that Jesus speaks to his church and we are called to listen. In Revelation 2 and 3, despite the context and irrespective of which church Jesus is addressing, he is speaking and we are called to listen. And that is so encouraging in this particular time. The fact that Jesus is speaking to us, we need to open our ears and open our hearts to hear the word of the Lord in this time. So the question is probably an an obvious one, but what is Jesus saying to you at this time and what is your response? The fourth thing that we have learned so far in this series is that Jesus is enthroned. Jesus is enthroned above all and Jesus is enthroned forever. Revelation chapter four speaks about this. It, it, It describes this incredible scene of the throne room of God. This amazing throne, with, 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 and, and, and around the throne is the sea of glass. Remember the original uh, people who, who, who would have received this particular letter would consider sea to be something chaotic, something tumultuous. But in the presence of God, where God is enthroned, chaos and turmoil is stilled. So the question we have to ask is, where is there turmoil or chaos in your heart right now that Jesus needs to still. And fifthly, lastly, what we have learned from this series so far is that Jesus alone is worthy to usher in God's kingdom. Jesus is the one who has overcome sin and sickness and Satan and separation from God through his death and through the fact that he was raised from the dead. And because of that, there is this explosion of worship that is described in chapters four and chapters five. Jesus and the Father are seated on on, on their thrones and surrounding them are four living creatures and surrounding them are 24 elders and surrounding them are, are a multitude of angels numbering thousands upon thousands and surrounding them every creature in heaven and on earth are together in unison declaring 
to him who sits on the throne, to the Father and to the Lamb, to the Son, be all praise and all honor and all glory and all power forever and ever. We are called to to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we choosing to worship the one who is seated on the throne, to worship the Lamb during this time? With that as the introduction and summary of what we've covered so far, and before we get into the text that that I want to study, I want to ask this question. What is God's vision for his church? I think it's a helpful question to ask and answer, especially in a time of difficulty and crisis, when we tend to allow our eyes to to drop off that, that which is bigger than us and begin to focus and be consumed by that which is immediately before us. Whenever the Bible speaks of vision, it doesn't speak of some sort of pithy mission statement which defines our, our plans and purposes for the next few years. And, and vision in the Bible isn't something that differentiates us like, like, it, like it often does when churches have different vision statements. Vision in the Bible speaks of God's prophetic plans. It speaks of God's future plans that we need to, as his people, align and adjust to in order to see that, becoming, or in order to see that coming to pass. An example of, of, of vision in the Bible is the very text that we're going to be looking at today. Can I just say as an aside that we've been intentional to choose a banner statement that describes and defines our our vision framework that finds finds its place in the large context of that which God is doing from from the beginning of time until the end of time. It it captures something of the scale and enormity of God's purposes for mankind while also speaking to the reality of what he's called Anthem Church to. Most of you will know that our, our statement, our banner statement that, 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 that summarizes our vision framework is, is all of Jesus for everyone. And, and you will know that this forms part of God's purposes and plans for, for, for humankind while being something very specific that he's called us to. So what is God's vision for his church? We're going to read about it in the book of Revelation chapter 7. And as I said, this is God's prophetic picture of what the future looks like and therefore something that we need to give ourselves wholeheartedly to. Let's read together from Revelation chapter 7 verse 1. John writes, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. And then I heard, very important, then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from the tribes of Israel. And then from verse 5 through to verse 8, John lists the 12 tribes of Israel and the fact that 12,000 from each tribe was sealed. We'll pick it up in verse 9. John says, after this I looked. Remember, at first he heard, and then he says in verse 9, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. 
They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's the vision that God has for his church. It doesn't fit easily onto a website or onto a fridge magnet. It's impossible to hashtag on social media. But it it describes the very essence of what pulls us forward and captures what we're living for. To see a massive, multi-ethnic multitude of people worshipping God the Father and the Lamb. I want to say before we get into the specifics of this text that we need to be very disciplined as we go through this text or as we remember the things that we have covered in the first six chapters not to read coronavirus in our interpretation of this particular passage. There have been pandemics and wars and natural disasters and persecutions of the church and other terrible catastrophic events throughout world history that the church has incorrectly assumed to be God's judgment or the end of the world. And I want to say, let's be disciplined not to make the same mistake. There are three parts to this particular text that we're going to very quickly look at. The first part is described in the first eight verses, verses one through eight, and it describes the fact that John is hearing the number of God's people being sealed in order to be protected from the trouble and affliction that is about to come on the earth. The specifics of what that trouble and affliction is, we don't know. Do you remember, for those who were with us, when we studied the book, when we studied chapter six? Of revelation and it ended with the question who can stand who can stand amidst God's judgment of sin and injustice and the first answer that we suggested which is which is described here in these first eight verses is the one who can stand is the one who is sealed now obviously this particular passage has been grossly misunderstood and and, and there is there is tons of false teaching that abounds around this particular section of revelation chapter 7 a number of false religions have built their 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 belief system on these verses and and also some mainstream christian denominations are, are confused as to the meaning of these verses which leaves us as followers of jesus sometimes reluctant to to really put the effort in to understand what these verses mean 
I want to take some time just to very quickly explain, firstly, what does it mean to be sealed? And then secondly, who therefore are parts of the 144,000? I'm sure every single one of us has an, an aunt or a grandmother or a mother or a sibling or maybe even some of, some of us uh, are, are, are those who, who love to, to uh, make preserves, to make jams or jellies or marmalades or even to, to make things that are pickled. Every single thing that is preserved or pickled is sealed with a unique lid and a unique jar or a unique jar, and it's done so for two reasons. Firstly, to give it ownership, and secondly, to protect it and to preserve it. And that's exactly what is happening here in the book of Revelation. Those who are sealed as God's people are sealed as a mark of, of, of ownership, as a mark of possession. We are people who belong to God, and we are also sealed as a mark of protection. We are protected and preserved by God. It's exactly what Paul uh, uh, speaks of when he writes in Ephesians chapter 1, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So that answers the question, what, wh why do we need to be sealed? But the, the, perhaps the more important question is, who are the 144,000? Is it me, you probably are asking? What John hears and what John sees in Revelation 7 are two different aspects of the same reality. John hears that there are 144,000 who are, who are sealed. But then in verse 9, it tells us that what John sees is a massive multi-ethnic multitude. And I want to put it to us this morning that what John sees and what John hears are two aspects of the same truth. In Revelation chapter 4, John, it, it, John described exactly the same thing. You might remember in Revelation 4, John hears of the lion of the tribe of Judah who has overcome. And he turns around expecting to see this, this lion-like figure triumphant on the throne. And what he sees is a lamb who was slain. Neither one is, is more true than the other. They are two aspects of the same reality. He hears of the lion of the tribe of Judah. He sees the lamb who was slain. And the same reality is playing out in these particular verses. He hears of 144,000 who are sealed, and he turns and sees a, multi, a massive, multi-ethnic multitude of God's people worshiping before the throne. Another thing just to, just to mention is that in, in, in chapter 4, we also learned that the number 12 speaks very specifically of the, the full number of God's people. But what we have here is not just 12, but 12 times 12 times 1,000. In other words, the vast number or great multitude of God's people that no one could count. So who are the sealed? The sealed are, are you. The sealed is, is me. The sealed is, is everyone who has or who will surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. Those who are sealed are the full number of the redeemed people of God. Secondly, in verses 9 through 12, it describes what I've just said, the fact that John sees the reality of what he heard. And let's read verse 9 together. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, 
from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It describes this massive, multi-ethnic multitude worshipping God. And then thirdly and lastly, verses 13 through, verses, through, through verse 17, it describes the fact that one of the angels begins to explain that this massive, multi-ethnic multitude of God's people are the ones who, had, who have overcome or who have come through a great tribulation, afflictions and, and, and sufferings that have come upon the world and, and th- th- because of what the enemy has thrown at them. I mentioned earlier, but it's, it's things like pandemics and, and wars and natural disasters and persecutions and other catastrophic events throughout world history. They overcame. They came through because they were sealed by God. They were able to stand firm because they were owned and protected by God himself, just as we are. And now they gather before the throne of God with the Lamb at the center as their shepherd, just as we have. And the the shepherd promises the water of life that will satisfy them and that he will remove and take away every tear because he has renewed all things. That's the reality for them and it's the promise awaiting for each of us. Who can stand? those who are sealed, and those who have surrendered to the Lamb, and those who follow the Lamb as their shepherd. That's the vision that John has just before Christ's return. That's what Revelation 7 describes, this incredible vision that John has just before Jesus is about to return to the earth. And I want to put it to us that it's the vision that God has given his church. I hope it stirs our hearts and drives us in a good way to stir us to to not only celebrate the fact that, that for those of us who have surrendered our hearts to Jesus, we are sealed, but I trust it would stir a longing in us to see others join that massive, multi-ethnic multitude of people from every tribe and from every nation and from every language united in worship before the throne of God. This vision tells us that Jesus is our shepherd. He is our shepherd who loves us. He is our shepherd who leads us and frees us. And he is our shepherd who provides for us and protects us. And I I, I pray that that truth is an encouragement to us in this difficult time. That for those of us who have submitted and surrendered our hearts to Jesus, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And because we are sealed, we will come through. But this vision is not just about us. This vision is also an invitation. It's an invitation to us from Jesus for us to shepherd those around us. To shepherd them by loving others just as Jesus loves us. But this vision is is also an invitation. It's an invitation from Jesus to, to shepherd those around us by loving others just as he has loved us and by leading others into freedom just as he has led us into freedom and by helping to provide and protect for other helping to provide and protect others just as Jesus has provided for and protects us if Jesus has called you to be his sheep then he will empower you by his spirit 
to be one of his shepherds, to go in faith and to share the love and the freedom and the power of Jesus that he has made known to us. I want to invite you today. If you are listening and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you do not know Jesus as your shepherd, I want to invite you to take a moment and pray with me a prayer that opens your heart to the Holy Spirit and allows Jesus to come in and be your shepherd. If that's you today and you would love to pray that prayer, take a moment and pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you were raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit and that you are not just a lamb who has died, but you are a shepherd who leads. And I ask this morning that you would come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you in that way. I don't understand everything, but I thank you that you are now my Lord and Savior. Help me to know that my life has been turned around, transformed and changed by the power of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to please send us an email so that we can follow up with you. Send us an email at, at testimonies at anthemforall.org so that we can stay in touch and send you some resources and reach out to you so that we can help you now that you've made that particular decision. I want to invite the rest of us to, to pray this particular prayer with me, to thank Jesus for the fact that he is our not only the lamb who was slain on our behalf, but he is also the shepherd who leads us. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, thank you that you paid the ultimate price that I might come into freedom. Thank you that you are not just the lion of the tribe of Judah who has overcome, but you are also the lamb who was slain. The lamb who was slain, who was worthy to take the scroll from God and begin to open its seals and execute on God's kingdom. But I thank you today that we have learned that not only have you rescued us by your death and resurrection, but you are leading us as our shepherd. You are leading us. You are protecting us. You are providing for us. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the seal on our lives. You are the seal that is guaranteeing the reality of the fullness of the purposes of God are going to be outworked in our lives. We surrender to your presence, Holy Spirit. And we ask this morning that you would empower us not only to be free ourselves, not only to be protected ourselves and to be loved ourselves, but Holy Spirit, would you enable us to become shepherds of God's people, that we might lead them into the fullness and freedom that you have for them. Thank you for all that you're doing in these extraordinary times. We continue to pray for protection over our, over our church family, over our family members and friends and neighborhoods and cities. We ask in Jesus' name that you would move in power, Heavenly Father. That you would move in power to bring an end to this, Lord, to this crisis. We pray for your intervention in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us at anthemforall.org. 
Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.